Kaya FM podcast. The Law Report with Michael Mutsuning Bill on Kaya FM 95.9. Welcome to the Law Report. Tonight we ask the question, what do you think about the integrity of the judiciary in South Africa? What do you think, uh, do you agree that there are attacks on the judiciary? And if so, are they justified? I'm looking forward to getting your comments, your questions, your point of view as a South African, because you will know, in the judiciary. And if questions come about the judiciary, the whole country should be concerned. That's what we're talking about tonight. The Law Report with Michael Mutsuning Bill on Kaya FM 95.9. Tonight, we're looking forward to your questions. Give us a ring 86 I mean, it's unprecedented the extent and degree to which questions around the judiciary in South Africa are arising. In fact, many times I have spoken about how amongst Key role players, people that have saved our democracy in the last few years are media, NGOs, and the judiciary. And it seems now that the very judiciary, which has played such a vital role, is under question. And And I'd like us to examine whether are those questions that have been asked of the judiciary justified? In other words, is it a case that because I have no way to run, I should therefore seek to discredit the only authority that is able to judge me or is it in fact that the chickens have come home to roost that questions that ought to have been asked some time ago are now being asked and this is a very difficult question for me to deal with because as you know i'm a lawyer and i have had absolute faith in our judiciary every time i win and every time i lose i know that i don't have any suspicions of foul play and the question is was that was, was that me operating from a place of naivete or not? You are members of, of our country. You know, you, you have your own experiences. I want to get a sense from you. What do you think? What, what's your experience? I want to talk to you. And if you want to talk to me, you can do so on 86 and, and naturally, as always, I, I, I have to get people who are more qualified than me to, to help me dissect some of these issues. And I've, um, I have on the line uh, Lawson Naidu, and Lawson Naidu is the Executive Secretary for the Council for the Advancement of the South African Constitution. Lawson, thank you very much for joining me. Good evening. Uh, good evening, Michael. Thank you very much for having me on. And I'm also joined by uh, Mbegezeli Benjamin. And uh, Mbegezeli is a Research and Advocacy Officer um, at Judges Matter. Mbegezeli, good evening, and thank you for joining me. Good evening, Michael, and good evening to Lawson and All right. Now, I, I want to start with you, uh, Mbegazin, and I think, and I, think uh, I, I do so because I quite enjoyed um, your writing on the topic um, on just where we, where we are coming from. We have issues pertaining to Judge Sope, and these issues are now 13 years old. And you detailed just all of the impediments 
Because if you tell me that something, an issue which is making headlines is 13 years old, I'm, I'm already concerned because I'm thinking, but hang on, if at all there is in fact misconduct as it has been found, then that means what has been happening in the intervening 13 years to other cases that have been before the judge president. Now, that, that's in, that no doubt is, is an important question. But, but before we do so, I'd like you to just, you know, let, let, let's talk firstly about what are the allegation now findings against um, Judge President uh, of the Western Cape Lope? So, Michael, the allegations are sort of, so they've become sort of straightforward now. Mm. The key allegation is that Judge Lope, um approached two judges of the Constitutional Court mm. who are hearing a case that involved um, former President Zuma. Mm. Uh, and the case had uh, uh, sort of gone through the court system all the way to the Constitutional Court. Mm. And the Constitutional Court had just recently heard the case and so it was still deciding on, on the judgment. And um, as you know, the Constitutional Court sits with all its members, all 11 members of the court sit together when they hear a case. So Judge Shopping is accused of approaching two of those members of the courts, Justice Ngabinde and Justice Jafta. And he, he, they, he, he, he had conversations with the two judges. And the nature of the conversations was subject to some, uh, a debate. But essentially what he said was he understood that the court had recently heard the case and he had expressed his views on the case. And basically he said, look, the, the, the FCA, the Supreme Court of Appeal, had decided the, the case wrongly and the constitutional court must now correct the mistake that the FCA had made. And and he was and remember now he's having a conversation with two of the judges who who are, who are now sitting and deciding these issues, deciding whether or not the SEA was was right or, or was it wrong. And and and, and then so he first had a conversation with Justice Shafta, and then a, a few days later he had a, the same conversation with Justice Ngabinde. And. The, 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 what the tribunal found was that in having such a conversation, it, it wasn't just out of a vacuum. He was the, the purpose of him having the conversation was to try and sway the, the judges, trying to influence the judges to decide a certain way in the way that he, he saw the case. And the, Judge Shopper had said that no, he was he was just having a conversation with two lawyers as lawyers ordinarily do. But the tribunal said no, no. But it it, it can't be that a judge from one court leaves his court and goes to another court to discuss a case with two judges who have recently heard the case and, and are still deciding on the judgment of the case. Mm-hmm. That, is, that is in a nutshell what they said. And they said that it was misconduct for him to um, have such a conversation. And the purpose of the, uh, of the conversation was, try to, or, or, was to try to influence the judges to decide in a particular way. Now, uh, th- there's an article by the Cape Argus where you are quoted as, as sort of giving a breakdown of why has these allegations, which as you sort of paint them out or lay them out for us, seem quite simple. Judge leaves his court, goes to another court, which is a higher court, and and, and discusses the, the issues of, of that case, of, of a case pending before before that court. Simple, straightforward. Why 13 years? 
look, there are a number of reasons why it has taken 13 years. Uh, perhaps the first reason was that the Judicial Service Commission didn't have any rules uh, to deal with co- complaints against judges. Mm. And it sort of the, the, the JSC tried different ways of resolving the case. And, and then it, those uh, uh, rules of trying to resolve the case, they, they were subject to court challenges. So it, it, one of one or either of the parties went to courts to challenge the way that the, the, the process was unfolding. And then later on, the JSC came up with rules of how this case should be dealt with. And one of the, the rules that were put forward was this idea of a tribunal, an independent tribunal to hear, to investigate the claims and hear whether or not they, have, they are valid or not valid or invalid. So um, that tribunal process was also subject to uh, more court challenges and over the years these court challenges uh, sort of built up and then the case was delayed over and over again and then there was also um, Judge Shopee himself, he was unavailable at some point because he was ill and then at another point he was unavailable because his lawyer who's, who's, who's based in London, he, he wasn't available to come to South Africa to deal with the case and then there was uh, part of like the two justices, Justice Nkabinda and Jafta also brought a number of court cases which, which added to the delay. So it's, it's, it's not just one of the parties who was responsible. I, I say it's, it's all of them combined. Mm. Over the years, they've delayed it, this matter for, 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 for close to 14 years now. If I could just introduce or, or bring Lawson Naidu in, uh, I mean, by any account, it seems to an outsider, it seems quite loaded with questions and and some of which would be these court applications i mean the people that are involved both the 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 two justices from the constitutional court and a judge president are quite senior and i'm just wondering how this was dealt with and should have been dealt with considering the seniority of these people it's not even a peer judging a peer it's it's really you know in some instances somebody judging somebody who might in fact be more senior indeed michael you know i think uh Zelli has, has explained the background um very well mm. uh you know it is you know and i think uh the 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 absence of rules and a, a clearly laid out process to deal with complaints of this nature is uh, you know largely responsible for for the delays had there been proper processes in place that are already established uh, we might have been able to to curtail some of the litigation that ultimately ensued yeah. um but you know this is uh, a learning experience and i think uh, you know what one is uh, left with the feeling that there must be a better way of these things being resolved and, and much more speedily because when you know when there's such a serious complaint uh, and as you rightly point out against a senior member of the judiciary, someone yeah. who is a d- judge president yeah. of a very, very bu- busy high court in, in the Western Cape. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's a matter that needs to be taken seriously because ultimately it impacts on the public perceptions about the uh, judiciary at, at large. So, you know, it's in the interest of everyone, I would, I would argue, that matters such as this be, uh, you know, disposed of as quickly as possible. And, and maybe if you can just fill us in, I mean, what was so complicated about the rules? Um, the, the magistrates um, in our country are, are, are accused of such things 
um, and they have processes where they are dealing with misconduct. And I'm pretty sure there's a few other examples of of cases of misconduct against you know important officers. Why was this particularly unique? And 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 I would venture to even suggest that ultimately there's also a common law. Why was this one particularly difficult? Mm. Well, obviously, you know, to, uh, Michael, it was in the interest of, of uh, Judge Preston Schlupper to, to draw this matter out uh, for as long as he could. Mm. And, uh, you know, to avoid uh, having to, to, to answer to the substantive complaint against him and, and using, you know, procedural uh, arguments to, to delay that process. Mm. So that's, re- that's really what, what happened. Had there been a, a proper process in, in place at the start, it could have been dealt, dealt with much more speedily. And, you know, an analogous situation currently exists with the, the parliamentary process to remove the public protector. Mm. Uh, you know, that initial complaint was laid, you know, more than two years ago. But at the time, Parliament didn't have a, proper, a properly laid out process for uh, the impeachment of the head of a Chapter 9. Mm. So they had to then draw up those rules. Those mm. rules are now being challenged by Mr. Kwabani in the in the High Court, mm. uh, so you know, it, it, you know, you see that playing out again in a, in another context right now. Mm. <laughs> if you've just tuned in, we're talking about the state of the judiciary, I suppose, in South Africa, and and you would have noted um, allegations against um, Judge uh, Judge President Sope that have originate for as far back as 2013 i mean 13 years ago and um and only now is there some kind of traction but even then it's it's only just that traction I, i'm I, I doubt that we're anywhere near finality and 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 I, and I think invariably the questions that we must ask as you as a south african is you know what is your views of our judiciary do you have confidence in our judiciary do you feel that um the the role, the constitutional role that is required of our judges in this country is being discharged. Weigh in. Let's have a chat. 86 959 I mean, if you really take the issues of, of process right now, process-wise, and, and any one of you gentlemen can jump in, process-wise, where are we as regards Judge Sloppe? Well, maybe if I mm-hmm. go ahead and back. Oh, thanks, Lawson. Process-wise, where we are, we are sort of at the end of one leg of the process, mm. um, when we're close to the end, because mm. now the tribunal has has made a finding, and they now has have put the ball in the court of the of the uh, judicial service commission, which must consider um, whether or not to uphold the finding of the tribunal. If they don't, um, the, the JSC can say, look, um, based on the report of the of the tribunal and what we've heard, we find that Judge Trope is not guilty of misconduct. Goodbye. Or they can say, look, he's guilty of misconduct, but not so serious uh, that he needs to be removed from office and he can sort of give him a fine or something else. And then if they do uphold the finding of the tribunal and they say that um, Judge Trope must be removed from office, then it gives another leg of the process. So the second stage where now it's transferred from the Judicial Service Commission to Parliament. And what we are worried about Mm. is that Parliament doesn't actually have rules to deal with the removal of offense of judges. 
uh, which is called impeachment. They don't have rules. Like Lawson just said now, they've, they've just recently drafted the rules for um, the, the public court sector and, and Chapter 9 institutions. They had to be forced by the Constitutional Court to draft a rule for the removal of the president. They don't have those rules for uh, for for judges. And so what a court we could make, so if the speaker is listening, she should be not sleeping tonight and working on drafting those rules because if the, if this process um, leaves the, the Judicial Service Commission, it, it goes to Parliament and those need to process it. Let, 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 let me pick up on something and, 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 I, and I just want to examine the role of Parliament. The, the appointment of a public protector, and I'm speaking off memory, is via Parliament. She needs, uh, or he or she needs parliamentary support. And as far as I know, judges on the other hand don't. Maybe, maybe just educate us on the two appointments, because I think when we then draw these contrasts on, on removal, uh, I would like to examine, you know, the connection of, of parliament especially. So, um, there is a, the constitution, the drafters of the constitution, I think they, they decide on this process, but for chapter nine institutions, parliament has a, a bigger role in the appointment. Mm. They do the interview, the shortlisting, and then they recommend to the president, and then the president signs off the appointment. Mm. But with judges, there's a special procedure. There was this body, it's called the Judicial Service Commission, that is set up to appoint judges. Yes. Uh, and to, to interview and like. And they, they are representatives of parliament in that body. Correct. In fact, the, the majority of members of the Judicial Service Commission are members of parliament from the National Assembly and the National Council of Province. Oh, you say the majority? Yes. So okay. There are about 23 members. Uh, little over half of them are from are from Parliament. All right. No, actually, it's about um, if if it, it's about ten members of Parliament directly, and then there's the Justice Minister, and then four members nominated by the President. So basically, the the minority constituents in on the Judicial Service Commission are practicing lawyers, mm. judges, and academics. So mm. the majority don't come from the legal profession. Mm. So so. Okay, but then you were still talking about the process, and we we know that we are we've gone through the judicial conduct tribunal. The their findings get referred to the judicial service commission, which, as you've nicely explained, comprises mostly of politicians, but also members of, and that's why we would see judges on the same on 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 the commission. We'd see lawyers. Um, both attorney, like, like attorneys and advocates, but we'd also see politicians. Um, one of them, very, very famous, uh, Mr. Malema, um, uh, and, and makes news. Um, so, so that's clearly there are politicians and we know that. So I must clarify here, and, and I wish this was simpler, but there, there are politicians on the Judicial Service Commission, but when it deals with the... Um, of judges. So when there's a misconduct complaint, mm. the politicians leave the room. Mm. So only the lawyers and the judges are in the room when when they're dealing with, with complaints of misconduct mm. against judges. Mm. So so the reason why they, they did that um, is, is, is because 
politicians will have another another opportunity to look at the merits of a complaint against the judge when the when the complaint moves from the judicial service commission and it, it and it moves to parliament for the process of removing the judge the, the impeachment process politicians they will lead that process but for now um it's only dealt with the with the minority of the of the judicial service commission which is the practicing lawyers and the judges and academics it's it's I, it's complicated. I'd like us to unpack it some more. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, I continue my conversation. I'm joined uh, by Lawson Naidu as well as uh, Mbegezeli Benjamin. We're back after this. The Law Report with Michael Mutsuning Bill on Kaya FM 95.9. Tonight we asked the question what do you think of our judiciary? Um, what do you think of the attacks on it? Give us a call, 86 959 I've got two guests who are incredibly knowledgeable when it comes to this topic. So you can pretty much ask them anything that you want to know about this because this is one of those important things, I believe. So give us a call. I'm with Lawson Naidu and I'm with Mbegazeli Benjamin. Uh, Lawson is from the Council for the Advancement of the South African Constitution, whilst Mbegazeli is from the Research and Advocacy, uh, is a Research and Advocacy Officer at Judges Matter. Before we took a break, you, you unpacked quite nicely the appointment process of judges. And I think if, if, we, if you could, contrast that with the appointment of the public protector. Because then, then I want us to then juxtapose all of that with their removal. Okay, so I was, I was explaining earlier that uh, the, the, the process is a little bit complicated and, I'm, and I, I'll try to simplify it as much as I can, mm. excluding all like, unnecessary detail. But essentially, um, how the process begins with the public protector, for example, Parliament runs that process. Yeah. Uh, Parliament sends out an advert to say, yeah, you want a new public protector, send your issues in. They do the shortlisting, they do the interviews, and then after they do the interviews, they send it to the president for him to sign off on that appointment. Mm-hmm. For judges, it's a, it's different in that there is a special body that is set up. Mm-hmm. Um, that body is made up of 23 members. Um, sometimes it can be more. Um, if those, those members are made up, half of them are, are members of parliament, Half of them are practicing lawyers and judges, and that body sits and they they they, they send out adverts for people who want to apply to be judges, and then they do the shortlisting and then they do the interviews. Interviews have been happening these past couple of days, mm. and they are public and everyone can watch them and uh, anyone can can comment on the on the process, mm. and and. That process is run by that special body called the Judicial Service Commission. Mm. And for appointments, when we are appointing judges, the politicians are in the room, the, the lawyers are in the room, and they all throw questions at a candidate who wants to be a judge. Mm. Um, but when the public protector, let's go back to the public protector again. Mm. When the public protector is accused of misconduct or being they have an incapacity. So let's say mm-hmm. public protector is so sick that they can't do their job effectively. Mm-hmm. Parliament runs the process again. Parliament is the one who that sets up an inquiry and they, they run the process and, and at the end they will decide whether or not to remove the public protector. Mm-hmm. But with judges, the, the, the process goes to the Judicial Service Commission. And the Judicial Service Commission, when it's 
disciplining judges, when it's doing, when it's investigating misconduct against judges, the politicians leave the room. Mm-hmm. So all the members of the parliament leave the room, and only the lawyers and the judges uh, are involved in the process. And then it, it goes through uh, what is called the Judicial Conduct Committee. If it's a, 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 an offense that is not serious, so it's not so serious that the judge needs to be removed from office. But if it's a serious offense where the judge can possibly be removed from office, it goes to a, a tribunal. Mm. Which is which is where the the, the complaints against judge Shoka is goes to the tribunal, and then once the tribunal makes its its decision on whether or not the judge is guilty, it refers it back to the judicial service commission, where the lawyers and the judges will will, will either agree that yes, this person is guilty and must be removed from office, or they can say, look, this person is guilty, but what he's done is not so serious that he needs to be removed from office. Mm. If they decide that this person, this judge must be removed from office, mm. they then take it back to parliament and then parliament follow the same process as they would a public protector. Why? Why, 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 why does it go back to parliament when it didn't start with parliament? When, when, when the route in was one, was, was one way, why do we revert back to parliament? I think the drafters of the constitution wanted the people's representative mm have a say on these critical institutions in government. So mm-hmm. parliament is like the oversight body of all the institutions. Remember, there's a system of checks and balances. The executive yeah. looks over parliament, parliament looks over the executive and the judiciary. The judiciary also looks over the other two arms. So they need to hold each other accountable. And so parliament is that oversight body for all of all of them. So uh, the way I understand the way the constitution was set up was that parliament was is the ultimate accountability body. So they have the ultimate say on whether or not a judge can be removed from office, whether or not a president can be removed from office, whether or not a public protector can be removed from office. All of this power lies with parliament. And 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 I think the drafters of our constitution, I wonder if they imagined that the subject matter of the misconduct would relate to a very important politician who we yield and wields great power and influence. <laughs> it's it's almost it's almost tragic in a way because because it is judges who are one sphere of government and politicians who are or, or parliament which is another sphere of government and all of it all of those those both those spheres. In fact, all three. In fact, even if you consider the executive, all, it's all spheres policing each other in respect of matters pertaining to each other. I guess deeper questions of democracy arise. I, I, I see no difference between a monarch and and what's going on here. Lawson, I mean, I've, I've sort of haven't invited you quite a bit. Is there anything you want to weigh in that's been raised, or or can I can I traverse other issues? Well, I, I want to just uh, comment on, on one aspect. I, I, I have a slightly different view to Mbekezeli mm. regarding the removal uh, process of judges insofar as uh, the process to be followed when it gets to Parliament. Yeah. My understanding and reading of the Constitution is that Parliament is not uh, required to conduct an investigation of its own once it receives a recommendation from the Judicial Service Commission that a particular judge should be removed from office. Mm. Uh, what the Constitution says is that the Parliament must, uh, by a resolution of the House with the two-thirds majority, uh, take a decision to remove that judge. 
Uh, it's different in the case of the heads of Chapter 9 institutions where the Constitution says, again, that a pol- uh, the National Assembly must take a resolution, but it can only take a resolution uh, on the recommendation of a committee of Parliament that has investigated the matter. So I think the processes in that regard are different. And there's no need for rules or special rules for the National Assembly to uh, to deal with this. The normal process of a resolution being tabled in the House would suffice. Um, on the last point you raised about why is Parliament involved in the removal of judges when they're not involved in the appointment process? I mean, it's a very good question. And my understanding would be that in order to protect the independence of the judiciary, uh, uh, the drafters of the Constitution sought to make it uh, difficult to remove a judge from office. So you go through these various processes uh, uh, within the Judicial Service Commission, and then it comes to Parliament, which is, as we know, you know, the, rep- the, the body that represents the voice of the people of South Africa to take the ultimate decision, but it must do so uh, with the supermajority of a two-thirds majority. So that's really, I think, designed to protect the independence of the judiciary and to make sure that, you know, uh, no one can be removed just uh, 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 on a mere whim. Mm. And, 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 and we know getting a two-thirds majority on most topics is very difficult. I mean, the, the, even the removal of the former president ultimately had, had so many, you know, it's just a, a high, high bar. Put. Well, and it's it's and, it's, it's and, deliberately a high it's deliberately yeah. a high bar because, as I say, it should not be easy to remove a, a judge from office. There must be compelling reasons for that to happen. Mm. All right. Um, if you've just tuned in, um, we're talking about the state of the judiciary. We're asking a lot of questions um, around you know the process, pretty much. But I think once we've done the issue of the process, we, we're going to then you know um, explore where where we are. Um, uh, 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 as a country because this is not just an isolated issue. Maybe Lawson, uh, I'm not sure if it's a fair question to put to you. We know that the, um, the this is not the only complaint that was made against uh, Judge President Sope. In fact, there there is um, another issue in the Western Cape um, High Court. Do, do you know where that complaint is and what's been done about that? Well, I, I, uh, yeah, there is another complaint which relates to a complaint that uh, was filed against uh, uh, Judge President Chope by the Deputy Judge President mm. of the Western Cape uh, High Court. And then there's a count, there was a counter complaint by uh, Judge President Chope against uh, the Deputy Judge President. Mm. As far as I, 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 I recall, uh, that counter complaint has been rejected as being without basis. Mm. Uh, then there's also a complaint against uh, uh, another judge in the Western Cape High Court who's implicated in, in both the complaint and the counter complaint. And uh, he's accused of, of, of lying, of being untruthful. And uh, the complaint against him, uh, uh, Judge Parker, has been referred to the uh, Judicial Conduct Tribunal because it's a se- potentially a serious offence that is impeachable. And interestingly, Judge Parker has now been suspended as a judge, hmm. uh, whereas uh, Judge President Schlope, even though he faced a, a similar process to the Judicial Conduct Tribunal, uh, has not been suspended and, and continues to sit as the judge president and will in fact be sitting in on Friday in uh, interviews that will be conducted by the uh, Judicial Service Commission for vacant positions on the Western Cape High Court. So when the JSC considers matters of for a particular high court, the judge president of that division, as well as the premier of the relevant province, 
uh, add uh, additional members of the JSC that sit in on those interviews. We had something that was very quickly resolved. Uh, I mean, I know it, it ultimately it, it it was resolved by way of a resignation, but 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 certainly there was decisiveness, there was action, there was a there was a a, a judge who made a statement which was racist, and she was very quickly there was a very quick reaction, very quickly suspended, very quickly resigned. Are we largely at the sort of mercy of? the person accused of wrongdoing and I, and I forget her name or you know so if if she for example wanted to play hardball could we have a situation where she's still sitting well you know i mean this this falls within the the discretion of the jsc and you know there's there's uh, i think what we're seeing is an inconsistent approach by uh, the uh, the jsc mm. in terms of when they're dealing with serious complaints which are impeachable mm. um you know, the practice ought to be that because the, the allegation is so serious mm. and the, uh, the, the JSC considers that uh, there's sufficient merit in the complaint to warrant an independent uh, tribunal sitting to hear the matter, uh, that should, you know, almost automatically result in, in suspension because there is a, uh, a cloud over the, the judge against whom the complaint is laid. Mm. And in order to protect the integrity of the judiciary, that person should be removed uh, for, until the matter is resolved. Of course, if there's, uh, um, you know, if the uh, uh, complaint is not upheld, then they return to their to their position and their name will have been cleared. Mm. But you know, this has really got to be about the impact on the judiciary as as a whole, rather than simply considering the interests of one particular judge. Uh, you know, whose uh, you know self defense mechanism may well lead to um, you know. Um, skepticism about the independence or the fairness of the judiciary as a whole. I want to take a break and and, and I know um, that um, Lawson, you spoke a bit in various publications around the, I guess, another related but separate issue between uh, Justice Zondo and uh, former President Zuma and, and and pretty much what I would describe personally and, 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 and no one need to uh, ascribe to my definition but <laughs> chaos as regards the whole process of how the commission is supposed to function. I'd, I'd like us to just talk a bit about that when we come back. We're back after this. The Law Report with Michael Mutsuning bill on Kaya FM 95.9. Welcome back and we continue our discussion on we're asking questions around the judiciary. And last week I had occasion to interview Judge Dennis Davis. And um, one of the questions that I put to him was very much what we're talking about this evening. Listen to this clip. The Law Report on Kaya FM 95.9. I've jumped to the defense of our judges and I've jumped to the defense of of our magistrates because I have appeared before many of them and I don't even remember myself because sometimes, you know, I wouldn't jump to the defense of a, of a South African police because I have yes. <laughs> experience. Yes, I agree. <laughs> but as a lawyer... Um, the the decorum, the respect, the the line that we walk, even when we know each other, even even in a disciplinary hearing where uh, somebody's a cha- if I'm the chairperson of a disciplinary hearing, I will not cross the line. And 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 the question that I want to ask you, as somebody who's been a judge for as long as you have, would my would my would every occasion that I've jumped to the defence of the of the judiciary was it justified or, or should I have said, but 
look into the fact, tell me the fact, or, or, or my blanket defense, was it justified? I suspect the answer to that is what people are giving as an answer, Michael, to why they're stopping the J and J vaccine when it's six people who get blood clots and 20 million have taken me, <laughs> have taken the vaccine. Uh, meaning, you know, I can't tell you that in every single case, you know, there's been the impeccable behavior. It would be highly surprising to me in any institution mm-hmm. where there weren't one or two um, dubious efforts. But I would say this. That, you know, in, in 20 million cases, as it were, the overwhelming 99.999% of cases, there's no doubt in my mind that we have a judiciary of impeccable quality. Uh, meaning, I'm not saying every judge is a brilliant judge. I'm not saying, you know, uh, uh, I myself have made many mistakes in my career. And, I've, you know, and I'm sure clients have been disgruntled. You know, they say, what the hell was that judge making when he came to that conclusion? I made a mistake. Judges do make mistakes. Not the mistake, the, the, the corruption. Well, that's the point. I don't think judges are corrupt. I mean, I, I have never heard uh, mm. of anybody on the take. I've never seen it happen. Um, I'm not sugge- I, I, I can't swear to it yes. because I obviously don't know and I'm not prepared to do that. I mean, and I, I say there are allegations now being made. They need to be examined. They need to be proved. They need to actually be dealt with properly. But I would say I would be highly surprised if, if this affected more than a couple of people at most. I, I, I don't even know if there are those, but I'm just simply saying I'm just taking an ordinary statistical mm. Figure. But in the vast majority of cases, the disgruntlement is because judges have made mistakes. That was my interview with uh, Judge Dennis Davis. And, and, and I think it concerned me very much, the, the question whether, are, are we still where we all believe we are? And, and maybe let me put the same question uh, to you, Lawson. Do, do you think that we are, there's a grave threat that we have lost or may lose what we have or what we believe we have? Look, Michael, I think, you know, I would certainly agree with the views that uh, Judge Dennis Davis expressed in that interview with you last week. Mm. I think, the, you know, uh, one has faith in the, uh, you know, in the judiciary as a whole, mm. uh, which is not to say that there may be some judges whose, uh, you know, uh, ethical antennae uh, may not be correctly positioned, if I can put it that <laughs> way. Uh, but uh, the point is, is that, you know, if there is evidence of uh, impropriety by any judge, uh, there are processes, as we discussed earlier, mm. uh, where a complaint can be laid, evidence can be laid, and if there's a substance to the allegation, then appropriate action can be taken. What we see at the moment, and this I think is really what concerns me, is the fact that we have unsubstantiated allegations being bandied around very recklessly, uh, you know, by, by politicians amongst others. You know, uh, elected public representatives casting aspersions on the integrity of the judiciary as a whole by saying they're corrupt, you know, they're part of uh, factional politics, they're taking bribes, and not a shred of evidence to back up any of that. Mm. And that's what's really concerning. So there's, you know, there would appear to be an orchestrated uh, political campaign to destabilize the judiciary at the moment. And I think we should all be very concerned about that because, as you rightly pointed out earlier, um, but, you know, the judiciary has played a, a critical role in ensuring at least some level of accountability by uh, public officials, by organs of state and so on, particularly during the state capture era, uh, when, you know, political uh, mechanisms for accountability 
uh, totally failed us. So, you know, the judiciary has played a critical role and in, in holding people to account. So I think we must see those criticisms in that context. All right. Now, let's go to the heart of the criticism. What is happening between the former president, Zuma, the Zondo Commission, and our courts? Uh, well, <laughs> that's a question that takes a very long time to answer. <laughs> but, but let me try and be brief. So the key issue here is that, you know, uh, the former president, I think, has made it very clear uh, that he has no intention of, of giving uh, any meaningful evidence to the uh, Zonda Commission of Inquiry. When he did appear before the commission in July of 2019, I think it was, almost two years ago, uh, you know, he uh, he gave a long introduction and, you know, uh, uh, you know, entertained us with all sorts of conspiracy theories about how he's been targeted and how he's been targeted from his days in exile and so on. Uh, but, you know, his main intention of answering direct questions about his involvement as the President of the Republic in enabling or permitting state capture to take root in, in, in South Africa. Mm. Uh, and he's used every mechanism in the book to try and avoid that. So, uh, you know, he walked out of the commission in November last year. You know, he's ignored subpoenas to, to appear and, and, and give testimony. He's ignored uh, directives from the uh, commission to respond to uh, allegations made against him by, I think it's now 40 witnesses that have implicated uh, Mr. Zuma in, in certain aspects of, of state capture. Uh, and so the Commission of Inquiry has had to resort to the courts uh, in order to try and get Mr. Zuma to come and give evidence. Mm. Uh, you know, they've laid criminal charges with the police in terms of the Commission's Act for his failure to uh, um, obey summonses. Uh, they took the matter directly to the Constitutional Court uh, on the 28th of December last year to uh, get the court to uh, direct Mr. Zuma to appear before the commission uh, in, in abeyance of a, a lawfully issued summons. He failed to do that in February this year. And then the court, uh, commission went back to court to, uh, to the constitutional court to say, you've given us this order that he should obey and come to the commission. He's failed to do so. We're now asking you to find him in contempt of court and if you find him guilty of contempt of court, the commission has suggested that Mr. Zuma be sent to prison for a period of two years. So, you know, that's the background to this. But, you know, in, in that judgment that the court issued in January, uh, the Constitutional Court said, well, you know, this is partly, uh, said to the commission, this is partly of your own making because you've, you've basically treated Mr. Zuma with kid gloves for a very long time. And now that, uh, you know, at this, uh, you come to us at this stage because you now want to force him to come, but you could have used your powers of subpoena much, uh, much earlier in the process. Mm. So, uh, you know, the commission is not without blame in this, but, uh, I think the, 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 the legal point is that, you know, Mr. Zuma is obliged to go and give evidence. The, the commission has powers of uh, subpoena, which they've tried to exercise. Uh, he simply ignored them. And uh, the point is that nobody should be above the law. If a lawful summons is issued to you or I, Michael, and we fail to do that, uh, you know, we'll be uh, arrested and very soon find ourselves be, uh, behind bars. What, what are the, what are the, I mean, on, on the same theme of, of, you know, you've always had these powers that you have failed to exercise. That's the criticism that, that you've indicated was advanced. The, the, the same, the same question then on the same theme, I would ask the question and I'd like to direct this to you, Mbegazid. If I'm a judge and all of these allegations, innuendos are made against me, what powers do I have? Because surely 
there has to be an end to it. There has to be finality to it. We can't just live in a world of innuendo, the, the kind of innuendo which bring, brings into great question the integrity of not just a person but a system. It relates largely to what Lawson has mentioned earlier, that there are systems when someone is suspecting that a judge has misbehaved. There is a, a conduct system where you lay a complaint with the Judicial Service Commission and they deal with it. Mm. So that's one option that everyone's open to, to try. But when someone makes just latent allegations um, without substantiating them and they don't follow through with reporting them to the relevant authorities, then one has to question what are the motives of why that person is doing so. And there's also um, a rules in terms of the, the court proceedings. Some of them are common rules where you can be held in contempt of, of court uh, and you, you're accused of uh, scandalizing the court for just simply making allegations that are unsubstantiated. So there are, there are those, those kinds of processes that um, the, the judges themselves can take up. But I, I would uh, prefer that the rest of society, in fact, stand up in defense of, of judges because the other problem is that we don't want our judges to be taking on the politicians in the public arena because it simply undermines the reputation of the judiciary as being impartial arbiters of our district. So we, we, we don't want judges to sort of hold back and, 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 and not participate in the political arena themselves and, and, and try to answer the allegations against uh, allegations by politicians themselves. Mm-hmm. So, so it, it, that's where it gets complicated. But there should be a point at which all of us realize that the people who are making these allegations are simply doing something to distract from accountability, like you said, or from, from other issues that relate to the law. And in such a situation, then they should be held in contempt of court because they are, in fact, are in contempt by making allegations that are just substantiated. Mm. And, 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 I mean, it seems noble to, to suggest that judges shouldn't sort of play at the level at which they've been invited to play. But that nobility doesn't seem to assist the judiciary in the eyes of the public because they don't know what's happening in private. I'm a lawyer and I don't even know what's happening in, in private. What I do know is that there are very public questions that have been raised <laughs> and i'm worried that shouldn't the judiciary itself i mean it's one thing for the it's 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 quite it's quite insufficient i think to to say well the public should speak out for the judiciary the, the public should have a judiciary that's able to to fight for itself because the public at best can only fight every five years at best you are quite right uh, that the, the judiciary as an institution should, should be res- responding. And in the past, we've seen that Chief Justice and the leadership of the, ju- of, of the, of the judiciary take quite a strong stance to issue a call to say people with allegations, they should be stepping up. So they, I'm not saying that they should sit there idly and just take whatever is thrown at them. Yes, they should respond, but they should, they, they are naturally limited in their response. And so mm-hmm. that's where the role of the legal profession, for example, also should be, they should be more vocal in protecting the court, the role of civil society, churches, uh, other community groups. They should be standing up for, 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 for the judiciary because it is a key institution of, the, of, of, of democracy. And, and like Lawson said earlier, it has over the last couple of years, both 
over and uh, over and above the call of duty to try and sort of hold a system of accountability in place. So all of us have, a, have an interest in protecting the integrity of the judiciary. So that's why I'm saying all of us should be concerned when people are, are making quite scandalous allegations without backing them up by evidence. So I'm not at all saying that the judiciary should, should just lie there and take it, but the, we, we also have to understand that there are limits in the way that judiciary judi- judi- can respond. Um, we don't want judges to our politicians. It, mm-hmm. It's just mm-hmm. a recipe for disaster, but then again, other people in society shouldn't leave the judiciary to fend for itself. We should all be standing up. Mm-hmm. So, so where, where to from here? I mean, we have multiple things that are happening all at the same time. We have politicians who who understand the game of fighting better, who understands the use of, you know, public persuasion. They, they, no doubt, if, if, there's, if there's one characteristic that distinguishes a politician from any other person is, is the ability to, to mobilize people through, through words. Where, where, where to from now, Lawson, uh, process-wise? Well, you know, I think the Mbeki Zadi has touched on, on, on what the response ought to be. is the, the responsibility of the leadership of the judiciary uh, to come to the defense of judges who are being attacked in such an indiscriminate manner. Mm. Um, and, you know, my mind goes back, I think it was in 2016, in the aftermath of the Al-Bashir uh, fiasco, mm. uh, when again we had extensive criticism of the judiciary, totally unwarranted. And I recall that the Chief Justice called a meeting between the three arms of the state, mm. uh, with the, the, you know, the government, uh, parliament, and the uh, leadership of the judiciary to to express his dissatisfaction with the kind of uh, criticism that was being leveled at the courts. And I think uh, the current uh, scenario calls for the same kind of intervention because Mbeki Zeli is absolutely right. We don't want judges to respond uh, to crit- uh, you know to criticisms or these serious allegations from uh, uh, from politicians. We don't want them to enter the political arena. Mm. And uh, so that's the one thing. Uh, secondly, you know, and I think we've seen this in the interviews for the judi- at the Judicial Service Commission over the last uh, 10 days or so, how politicians have been using the process of interviews of judge- judges for political grandstanding. Mm. You know, that's not the, uh, not the role of a politician that's serving on the JSC. They're there to test the capacity of candidates to, uh, to fulfill a position as uh, members of the judiciary. They need to examine their judicial uh, ability, their judicial temperament, uh, their, their experience and skills, you know, and, and, and not to uh, drag them into, a, uh, uh, into the political arena, which has happened on a number of occasions in, in the last couple of weeks. And what has been particularly concerning for me is the failure of the Chief Justice to intervene and to and to call members of the JSD to, to order and say to them, we are here to interview candidates to find fit and proper candidates to serve as judges. These political comments have no place in uh, in such a process that uh, we're conducting as the JSD. And uh, regrettably, the Chief Justice has failed to do that. And and I think uh, one thing when when you talk about grandstanding and political agenda, one thing that stands out is the interview of uh, Advocate Kina Malindi and Julius Malim. That was a waste and i think frankly um we we you know the the judiciary lost out on on a very great lawyer and i think the the grandstanding the politics played themselves out in in quite an unfortunate way
in in that interview. Anyway, that's all we have time for tonight. I know I've just put a bomb and and, and I guess I, I hear one of them wanting to come in. I have run out of time, I'm afraid. But my, my special and great thanks to Lawson Naidu, Executive Secretary for the Council for Advancement of the South African Constitution, as well as Mbegazeli uh, Benjamin. He's a research and advocacy officer for Judges Matters. And most importantly, to you, the Afropolitan, thank you. I'm back again next Wednesday. Good night. The Law Report with Michael Mutsuning Bill on Kaya FM 95.9. Kaya FM Podcast. Go to kayafm.co.za for more.